0: Bill Furman and Jim Chet
1: Chesko. It's Wednesday, September 18th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House and Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Eagles not only suffer a tough loss on the road in Atlanta, but the roster looks like a mash unit. The Phillies are all but officially eliminated, and yes, the Flyers had their first preseason game already.
2: Two of them, as a matter of fact. All of that is true, Bill, but the big story this week. I I know it was a couple of days ago, but you made it through another year, Bill, so congrats on that.
1: Well, thank you. And, uh, we won't even say how many it is because the number is actually a bit staggering, uh, that the numbers were on the cake and I'm like,
2: whose cake is this? Yeah. You could start, start a fire with all those candles. I'm sure it's also Ray Dinger's birthday today. So happy birthday to Ray Diddy today. Yours was Monday.
1: Yes. And, and you know, uh, speaking of that, Jed, I had no idea that Ray was 73 years old.
2: Yeah. He's, uh, obviously, you know, good shape and sharp as a tech and, uh, Still going strong at 73. We should be so lucky whenever we get to that age.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Take them all a day well, hopefully the we to do.
2: Yeah,
1: That's exactly. Right.
3: That's right. Yep.
1: Well, Chad, as I mentioned, the Phils have 13 games left. They're four games out of wild card, and time is quickly running out, even with a nice win last night against the Braves.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was 55 years ago this week, and – Nah, I guess the 64 Phillies blew a six and a half game lead with 12 games to play. Now we'll see if maybe the Cubs and Brewers can cough up a four game lead in a week and a half. They both have 11 games left. The Phillies have 13 still, including the five game set in Washington next week. Don't count on it.
1: Well, no. And I think the thing, the crazy thing about this wild card, just to get to that second spot is not only do they have to make up the four games, but they have to jump two teams. So, uh, and by the way, the Brewers have won nine out of ten, and and they've done it without Christian Yelich.
2: Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So uh, it makes the Phillies' excuse of you know losing a bunch of guys to injury you look kind of sad because the Brewers just keep on winning no matter who's in there. So they're hot right now, and they're probably going to overtake the Cubs. I think.
1: I think they are too, and uh, you know,
2: it's it's about getting to the dance because
1: whoever gets that second spot is going to have to face the Dodgers, but. You know, if you get there, you got a chance. You can't – if you don't get there, obviously, you don't have a chance.
2: Yeah, that is very true. Um, We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next week and a half and to see if anybody loses their jobs. Oh, yeah. And I know you're excited for that. (laughs) (laughs) No comment.
1: Uh, Hey, there's a ton of things to talk about with the Eagles game, and we're going to get into that deeper when we talk to Inquire.com Eagles reporter Tom Domowicz paul domo i'm sorry but first we're going to talk with phillies with tommy green i think we're going to be get some real interesting perspectives on the birds and the phil's from these two guys
2: yeah domo's been covering the eagles for 30 some years now and tommy green of course is a former philly and a former brave who will certainly have a lot of good insight for our listeners on all things phil's
1: yeah and you know i think uh You know, watching Tommy on on TV, you know that he is going to be straight up. And I think uh, there are serious questions to answer for this team. And, uh, you know, I think Tommy is going to give us some really good stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he is. And, uh, you know, I, I wish we could be talking about a potential playoff team here, but it doesn't look that way. But we'll still have plenty to talk about because we want to find out what Tommy thinks about what the field is going to look like in 2020.
1: Oh, yeah. Hey, Chad, and uh, I wanted to ask you, before we get with Tommy, uh, did you watch the Flyers' first couple preseason games on TV? And uh, we know how much you like hockey before January.
2: (laughs) I actually watched the second period and part of the third on Monday night, the preseason opener. Didn't catch any of the Tuesday night game, the overtime loss, although I understand Carter Hart did play well. He played, I guess, half of the game, didn't give up anything. So that was good to hear. Yeah, it just didn't feel right watching hockey in September, Bill.
1: Yeah, you know it's hard enough. I think uh, getting over the summer hangover kind of thing, just to get into football season yet, and all of a sudden we're talking we're talking hockey already.
2: Yeah, I'm just not ready for it. Uh, how about we talk some baseball right now?
1: Yeah, well let's do it. Let's uh, let's welcome Tommy Green back to Philly Press Box Radio. We're gonna
2: talk Philly's Braves. Tommy, welcome.
3: How you doing, guys?
2: Fantastic. Doing all right. Doing all right. Hey, Tommy, uh, this is Chet, and when we scheduled you a few weeks back to be on with us tonight, I thought we'd be talking about the Phillies being right in the thick of the postseason hunt, but as we speak, they're four games out of the second wild card slot with just 13 games left and a tough schedule ahead. The Cubs and Brewers have 11 games left. Not looking great. So are the Phillies just not good enough or what?
3: Well, I mean, uh, I mean, you're putting it in blatant terms. Uh, they're good enough to do it. It's about piecing it all together and getting it done. Um, it's about I me. Mean, I've been on teams that we have, you know, you know, the '93 three team that went and won, but we had the core of that team, you know, that were together years before that, and we just couldn't, you know, stay healthy enough, or couldn't uh, put piece it together all at the right time until that '93 season things started going our way, and you know, we just sped off of it. So I mean, but you know, they they've had some adversity this year, and uh, they've learned a lot about themselves and the organization, uh, the the owner. Uh, The higher-up, so to speak, uh, has learned a lot about what they have and what probably they need to do in the future. Well, Tommy,
1: I'm sure as a pitcher you feel the the same frustration we do as fans. Um, The pitching has struggled to the point and with the injuries that they've had to go down to AAA many, many times. And I think what to your point, I think what we found is we have a lot of AAA pitchers who aren't really ready for the big leagues yet. And certainly, that's been a demise of this team.
3: Well, I mean, the ability is there. We got guys in the pitching, and uh, what's been a little bit disappointing to me was the starting pitching didn't really take a step forward like we had hoped. And I think the Phillies uh, were hoping that they would, that and and also that they thought, uh, to me personally, uh, they thought they did enough there in the winter, as far as offensively, you know, as far as the, the team wise. To maybe be able to outscore some people, um, and and help the pitching out a little bit until they can, you know, uh, get their footing. And a lot of that stuff didn't happen. Some of it due to injuries. Some of it, you know, it, the guys just didn't make the step forward a little bit. But the ability of those guys in the starting rotation, saying, uh, you know, the uh, the Eflin, Eflins and the Pavettas and you know, and uh, Velasquez. You know the younger guys. You know, Eflin has has made made to me. He's made some improvements. He's been a little back and forth, uh, a little bit, but overall, I mean, I think he's found something what he needed to do to be a, a more consistent big league pitcher. And I think you know him saying coming out and saying that, and you know, there in mid August or a little, you know. Right at it, uh, that he's going back to what he, I mean, you see, he's going to go back to what made him uh, a little bit successful. He's using his sinker more. And I think he uh, has done a little bit of that and he's been a little bit more consistent. But the other guys, there's um, been uh, uh, few and far between. You know, it's just the consistency of, uh, uh, you know, uh, the difference in tri- AAA and the big leagues is the consistency part of it. Uh, and, and, and that's where it stands. And a lot of it's not ability wise. It's consistency-wise, consistency you know? and and uh, and, and, this, and then getting on the mound and doing it.
2: Yeah, they've been consistently inconsistent, some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tommy, I'm really curious to see what the outfield's going to look like next year. We know Bryce Harper's going to be <laughs> right. We, we assume Andrew McCutcheon will be healthy again, but can McCutcheon, who will be 33 soon, play center field every day? I don't know. So we know all the candidates for the outfield. Adam Hazley, Scott Kingrey, Jay Bruce, free mm-hmm. agent to beat Corey Dickerson. How's it all going to play out yeah. in the outfield next year?
3: Oh, yeah, good question. I mean, they got some, they got some decisions to make as uh, uh, far as that's concerned. They're hoping that McCutcheon, is, uh, you know, is ready for the season, uh, you know, be fully healthy to be able to give them uh, the ability to do that. Uh, the question is, is the center field, will he be able to play center or is he going, can't, is he going to be penciled in for left? And, yep. and can he play every day right off at the bat? But you know, with Hazley, we know he. I mean, to me, he can play out there in the outfield. For me, I mean, defensively, he, he's not hurt us. <laughs> he's helped us. Yep. Is what I what yep. I see in him. Uh, but is he going to be the hitter yet? Now he's held his own. I think he's held his own. And and he's and he's had a little bit of struggle, but also he's bounced back from it a little bit too. Uh, you know, and that's what you want to see in a young guy. Does it get too down on himself and go real bad the other way, which he hasn't done? Um, you know, so that's, that's a plus in his department, but they have got some decisions to make out there. You know, Dickerson being, you know, one that, are they going to try to keep that guy? He wants to, he wants, he's by what he said, he'd love to stay here, but you know, is, I mean, if you're going to pay a guy, a decent amount of money like that they, and that guy can play. He's been a 300 hitter this year when he's been in the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a tough guy to not hit, not play every day (laughs) if he's a 300 hitter, you know, and he's showing what he can, I mean, he's got some, he's got some power, uses all fields and, you know, plays decent defense, you know, and and now he's got a broken foot. How is he going to come back from that? So that's going to be a wait and see game.
1: Hey, Tommy, if you look at the, at the top six, uh, you know, sit back and look at the whole entire season. I think, you know, you look at Harper, he, he hit his, he's hitting 255. He's got his 30 and a hundred Ryu Muto has been solid. Segura has done a good job. Um, mm-hmm. I think you look at the acquisitions of the off season, you have to say, well, they, we got what we expected. Hernandez has has probably been consistent. Uh, Kingry has certainly improved. Um do you look at the pitching and say, we got to go all in on pitching and we can live with this lineup that we have for the most part?
3: Well, uh, I mean, I, I think there's still a need. I, I, I mean, uh, there, there's something in there that's just not clicking uh, to me. Uh, and uh, it's, tough to put a, it's tough to put a finger on. Is it, do they need a third baseman? Uh, are they going to allow a uh, bomb? Uh, to see what he starts out doing next year to make a decision on bringing him up or or whatever, or do they place Kingery and put him at second and let Hernandez, you know, because they've had him for so long. And I mean, is it time for Kingery to be that second baseman that they thought? You know, Kingery adds a lot. He can play different ways, but, you know, he's made some strides this year, especially the first half or so, a little bit more this season through through June. But, you know, the second half of the season, you know, uh, I have to step back and look, you know, He's been he's made those strides, but also he's kind of you know kind of settled down a little bit compared to what where he was early in the season, which is hard to do, you know hit three thirty three forty there for a couple months or you know what before, after he come off his injury, uh, and see that hurt us too. He I mean he was so hot and then he had you know had the injury and, and had to come back off of it, but he's made strides in all aspects I think defensively and you know obviously obviously swinging the bat so. Uh, it's going to be an interesting season, but uh, I mean, as far as next year, what they are interested in off season of what they do, what they think they might, you know, need, you know, to pull off. Is it something on the infield or, you know, uh, or do they put something in, you know, try to find somebody out there that can play third base right now to bombs ready, you know, that's got some power and got some things to do, you know, so uh, that's what we're missing. Uh, We're missing that consistency, uh, I think, uh, yeah, we got plenty of – we got power. We got the consistency that Rio Muto's been bringing f- throughout the years is, is, is a plus-plus. What I'm looking to see, and I think he's so much a better hitter, he's got power. He's going to have – probably end up with 30 home runs. I mean, it's Hoskins, but he's so much better hitter than a 235 hitter, I think. You know, now he's yep. starting to show the ability – I mean, he's starting to show the the guy what we saw when he first come up of using – going to all fields now. He's starting to use the right field again. And I, I'm hoping, I mean, you know, the change, you know, with Charlie coming in really kind of uh, got back to the basics of who he was a little bit maybe, um, you know, and, and getting back to the, the roots a little bit. And sometimes it takes something to go through the struggles like that to wake you up again a little bit. But we we really need that guy to be that more consistent guy. I'm not talking pounding home runs all the time. I'm talking the other stuff too. uh that be to be that 270 hitter, you know, and we need Bryce Harper to be that 270, you know, guy like he normally is. That's his career average. You know, 20 points is a lot. That's a that's, you know, that's a that's that's a lot of hits over 500 plate appearances and possibly runs driving in, winning ball games. So uh, I think I think the guys uh, they've had some guys that had some adequate years. I mean, some good years, but I think they're better than what they what they've shown, as far as consistency wise. And I think they would probably agree with that too.
2: Well yeah, and you mentioned third base and I know Michael Franco didn't turn out to be the player they thought he might become four or five years ago. But I'll tell you I'd still rather mm-hmm. see him out there at third base than Brad Miller or Sean Rodriguez. What did Franco do to get on the wrong side of Kapler and Clentex? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: good question. I wish I wish I was I wish I was the fly on the wall what that happened. But, I mean <laughs> just as a just as a baseball guy, just I mean just an ex player looking in you know the ability to him to play in third base and what he I mean what he does I mean is he the fastest guy over there no I mean first steps and 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 things at third base is what you need that first move is a huge move uh and do that and he's got a great arm from over there and he's been adequate over playing defense over there you know but the offensive he's just like you know, he 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 buys it's like he buys into it he bought into it early this year using the the whole field and then once he gets that pool happy mode in again he he goes the other way and that's been the consistency thing about it and you know sad to say I mean we that's the difference between guys you know staying and being a I mean a, 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 a cornerstone in an organization and a guy that doesn't stay here uh is is not being that consistent you know I mean it, I mean, last year I thought he was turning the corner because he ended up being one of our, one of our, uh, you know, better average hitters. Uh, he ended up leading the team last year, I think, in average, which it was I thought he was making that that move towards a positive direction because he's going to run into twenty home runs a year if he plays every day, if not more. You know, so I mean, it's about him buying into using all the, uh, I mean, using all the fields, and when he does that. Uh, and stay up, staying up the middle like Harper and Hoskins doing now. You, they drive the ball out of the ballpark, and 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 that's a good thing to see when those big boys start doing that. And that's what we needed him to do. And you know, sad. I mean, sometimes a change in scenery helps a guy. Now, is it, will it help? You know, will it help him? It might. It might could. One phrase, one word by another guy, enough. You know, could help you. But it's about. Uh, I think it's about him. Uh, uh, I can't remember how old Franco is right now, but uh, the maturity people mature, you know, at different at uh, different times. Sometimes I'm just talking not man, not physical wise. I'm talking the mental wise to be able to to move forward and and get better, to allow yourself to do that, uh, to buy into a thing that could help you. And I mean sometimes uh, sometimes it happens and sometimes it never does. You know, and it's about I think he's too good of an athlete, too good. Too good of a hand he's got too good of hands up there, and it's about trusting what you do up there and not being afraid to get beat you know with a fastball that helps you uh become a better hitter i think
2: he's twenty seven by the way
3: yeah, and he's still, i mean that's still young so i mean yeah. he's got
2: I mean,
3: he's got a lot of years uh i mean uh, he could be one of those guys that's just a little bit later bloomer and i've seen that I've seen that happen too so Hey, Tommy, this is a bit of a loaded
1: question, I guess, to ask a pitcher. But um, mm-hmm. when when you have a guy like Aaron Nola, and we, we've been watching this around here for 50 years, you know, giving away me and Chet's age, with Jim Bunning, Steve Carlton, happened a bit with Cole Hamels, uh, Aaron Nola, uh, the, the offense doesn't score runs behind these guys sometimes. Does, does the offense have a different mentality, do you think, when the ace is on the hill? Or, or uh, is it just dumb luck that it happens that way?
3: I just think it's dumb luck. Uh, I mean, it, there's I, I know as a professional athlete. The guys are going up there, and that team is going out there every day this year, going out to try to win and do the best they can. And it's just that the pieces in the in the in, in, in the cog, and it hadn't come together all at once. And you know, it hadn't been well oiled. You know, it's still creaking. It's got some rust to it, and. You know, it's not a well-oiled machine right now. It's not, not running that way. And, you know, next year might be – or, you know, if they finish up strongest, this year is not open. It's, it hadn't happened yet. Them winning more than four games in a row, you know, do I see it happening? Not necessarily, but I've seen stranger, stranger things happen here at the end. You know, if they go and they win and they can pull – I mean, uh, and take each game one at a time and, and they just they do the things they need to do, it's not over too, she sings, man, and I've seen that. And <laughs> it's about getting hot at the right time. If guys get hot at the right time, people can be upset. And it's happened to the Phillies in the past before <laughs> coming in, and we're being the big dog, and the big dog gets beat on them. Yeah,
2: so. And that's
3: just the way it happens
2: sometimes. Well, final question, Tommy, if it goes the other way, if these final two weeks you know, don't go the way we'd like to see, if they, say, lose 10 out of the last 13 or whatever, is it possible Kapler and Klintak – or you know, one or the other won't be back, or is it a lot that they're going to be here in 2020?
3: Well, I wish I knew that question. Yeah, I mean, I, the, like they said you know, earlier in the year, that I mean, it, it looked like, I mean, uh, they, I guess Clint Act, they've got uh, extensions, and Gabe was supposed to be signed through next year, if I'm not mistaken. But so. they said, you know, but things change. Uh it all depends on how uh, what the higher-ups think they need, might need and the way this team finished up and responded to the situation. Um, I mean, very well, Kapler, you know, and if they don't respond here and, and play good ball and, and finish up on the stronger side, I mean, that very well could happen. I've, I mean, I've seen it before. You, you think you're going to have the guy back, and all of a sudden, I mean, it just changes. It's just like hitting coaches and stuff in the past, too. You think – and we won with the hitting coach before. What's changed? You know, it's not. The, I don't think the hitting coach changed uh, right. in the past. You know, I think it's some uh, just the guys. Just baseball. It's the way it goes. But somebody's got to take the fall for it, I guess. You know, I mean, and as a baseball player, I mean, you hate to see that happen to some of the guys. You, I mean, you've you, uh, you've built trust in and and also worked with every day to do that. Uh, but that's the nature of the beast, is what we say. I mean, coming out of high school when I signed you learn quickly it's a business and you try to, you try to keep the fun in the game, the best you can to have fun at it. And uh, uh, but you learn quickly that it's a business and it's, you know, it comes down to the money. It's about, you know, people making money at it. And that's the bottom line. Right. Well, you know, John Kruk has said this on the air and
1: much Schmidt has said it on the air as well. And, uh, and, and I said about the game changing and I said this to Chet probably a month or so ago, it's not the wins and losses that are going to get Gabe Kapler fired. It's too many times that he's had to go back to his guys about not hustling, not doing the details, not doing the stuff that it, that is expected. To me, that's going to get Kapler fired more than losing games.
3: Well, I mean, I, I, and I'd have to say that was it's going to have a big, significant factor into it. Uh, you know, I mean, because it's it's, it's it's not hard to set the guidelines at the beginning of the year, and if something happens. You know, hey, you knew before this if, if this happened what the repercussions of this was, and uh, and I mean I think it's pretty simple. You know, as much as you hate to levy stuff like that as a person, it might not be his nature, but still you have to have things you follow and go by the way you think you think the game needs to play, uh, or way way the game needs to play, or and and what your expectations are as for your for your team out there because you are. The leader, you are the one that's answering the questions after the game on a consistent basis every night. You know the reporters are asking him every night. You uh, know, so he's got to be the face, and when he says something, he's got to stand by it. You yeah. know, and uh, uh, I mean, it's going to be a wait and see thing on it. It could be one of the one of the factors. I don't know. I mean, it's just a different era. It's like you said, Crucky and Schmidt. said it's just a different time. It's a different ball player now. You're dealing with. And, uh, but that don't mean a game can't be played. You know, it's been played, you know, how many years before this generation's come on? I mean, and ch- sometimes, I mean, changes are good, but it's not, you know, it's not the, the analytics and, 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 the, and the, the look at me, the social media side aspect is not the say-all, be-all type thing of it, you know. It's about, hey, grassroots, get out there and stick your nose to the grindstone and hustle. And and leg out some stuff and battle and be willing. Hey, if we don't beat you on the field, we'll beat you in the parking lot type attitude. You <laughs> right. know, the down and dirty. You know, and that's I mean that's sometimes that's what it takes. And teams need to know that you know that you're that we're here. We're going to fight tooth and nail or whatever it takes to win this ball game. And it's small ball or big ball. It does it doesn't matter. We can do it all. That's what we're going to do. What it takes to win, and and see that's what I'm looking to you know. You know, to kind of see a little bit more, you know? Amen. I am, I am with you. Well,
1: Tommy, we have run out of time. We could do this for a couple hours, absolutely. Oh, yeah. But, uh, thanks oh, for yeah.
3: coming by.
1: Thanks for taking the time to join us, and we certainly appreciate it. Thanks, no, Thanks Tommy. for having
3: me, guys. All right, man. Take, okay. take care.
2: It's time once again to tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne. I was actually there last night for their Halfway to St. Paddy's Day celebration, said hello to Taylor, enjoyed a couple of Guinness Stouts, a good time, of course. And I'm joined right now by bar manager Chris Gaskell. And, hey, Chris, first things first, you and Tracy and Taylor and everyone else from the Rover got some great news last week. The Irish Rover won three Best of Bucks Awards. That's pretty impressive, so go ahead and gush a little bit.
4: Thank you so much. It was so exciting. We thought we'd walk away with one win, but never expected three. We won Best Happy Hour, Best Irish Pub, and Best Bar. The best part about the entire thing was the customers' responses. We got so many text messages and Facebook messages with the congratulations and well wishes. It's very humbling. We're super lucky to have such amazing support and customers and our staff. Our staff is awesome, too.
2: Yep, fantastic, and well-deserved. Hey, later this month, the 28th, you have another awesome annual event coming up. What's going on?
4: It's Oktoberfest it's our kind of goodbye to the patio season. So for one day only on the 28th, we turn our patio into a beer garden. We're going to be tapping some of our favorite German beers. We'll be serving knox and broth. And of course, we have our famous spine-wasting competition. So it's a great day and not to be missed.
2: I was there two years ago for it, and yeah, it was great. And I do hope to get back there again this year. hope everybody else can join me, too.
4: I hope to see. I hope you're practicing your (laughs) spine-wasting.
2: You know it. And by the way, lederhosen, not required for patrons, right?
4: Not required, but you would (laughs) look good in
2: them yeah i'm sure all right see everyone on the 28th (laughs) the irish rover is on bellevue avenue in langhorne hi football fans this is Meryl reese and you're listening to bill and chet on philly press box radio it's good yes it
1: is and speaking of maybe not so good Chet, the uh The Eagles got in a tussle down there in Atlanta, and they are, as we said, they're decimated with injuries coming out of that game, uh, but
2: still had a chance to win all the way to the end. You know, Bill, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio while doing my real job, and people are really taking that loss in Atlanta hard, overly hard in my opinion. I mean, given all the injuries and the poor play by Wentz early on, the late drop by Aguilar, a tough night for Ronald Darby, so many other negatives, As you said, they still had a chance to win it in the final minute or two and, you know, came up a foot short on that fourth down pass to Ertz, losing that opportunity in the process. It is a game that they could have won, maybe one that they should have won, but it's not the end of the world. But, yes, they do have to hope that D. Jackson, Alshon, don't miss more than a couple of games. It's sounding like uh, Jackson might be out longer. And they do need to shore up the defense a little bit, too.
1: Well, yeah, and but I will tell you what, Chet. My takeaway from that game, as we said last week on the show, going down there on Sunday night, their home opener was going to be a tough win anyway. You're not going to win all all your games unless maybe
2: you're in New England this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when you look story. at the schedule, when you look at the schedule <laughs> yeah. in uh, April or May when it comes out, you, you do the uh, wins and losses thing, and I think a lot of people thought the Sunday night game in Atlanta, their home opener, might be a loss, and you know. We, we accept that. In fact, we thought they might be two and two after four games, lo- losing in Atlanta, losing again next Thursday night in Green Bay, if you're projecting. Hopefully that's not going to be the case. But, yeah, I'm not going to cry and get all upset about that one loss in Atlanta. There were a lot of negatives for sure. But like you said, uh, they could have won it, and they're still a pretty good team despite the injuries.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to look at it as uh, – and, and we're going to talk with Paul Domowitz here so- shortly, and I'm going to ask him about this uh, – you know, I looked at this game as a gut check for the Eagles. I, I think the takeaway from this game is this team was just wiped out and they kept battling and down to the last play. And like you said, six inches um, on a first down, they they probably win this game. So I, I yep. want to get Paul's check on that. And, and by the way, we've got Paul. So uh, let's welcome Inquire.com Eagles reporter Paul Domovich back to Philly Press Box Radio.
2: Paul, welcome.
0: Thanks, guys. How you doing?
2: You're doing right. all right. Hey, Paul. That was Bill. This is Chet, and I got to tell you, I'm still trying to get uh, Sunday night's loss behind me. But first thing, we all remember the Eagles-Redskins body bag game back in 1990 when I think nine Washington players left with injuries. Do you remember any game similar to Sunday night when so many Eagles players got sidelined for somewhere all of a game?
0: Uh, no, not not so quickly, and not at uh, you know not at skill positions like that. Uh, I mean, that's what was so devastating. To, Uh, They happened at wide receiver and tight end and basically forced everything the Eagles, I mean, basically altered their entire game plan because uh, they only carried two tight ends. When they lost Goddard, they couldn't even play a a lot of two tight end personnel packages.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I got to ask you one other thing. Um, Why didn't they practice today? You would think with, you know, having to implement so many new guys into the offense, they would need a real practice. And they just did like a walkthrough, I guess, today. Why would they not practice on a Wednesday?
0: Well, the, I mean, it's not a walk-through walk-through. It wasn't like sometimes on Saturday where they basically, I mean, really are walking. Uh, uh, I mean, they, got, they went through their, their plays and, and, and reps enough so that these guys were, were understanding what they're supposed to do. Uh, they just don't want to. I mean, they're, they've got a second game on Thursday after Sunday against the Packers. And, that, and it's a travel game, so that they're going to only have one practice day next week. They just are trying to keep people healthy. They didn't want to lose anybody else in practice. They didn't want to get anybody else to uh, get worn down. They've got other guys like Fletcher Cox and, and Ronald Darby that are still not completely back from their injuries. And it, Ironically enough, it's funny that after this happened today, after they made this announcement, uh, I want to say nearly a half dozen other teams – Announced that they were, including the Packers who they play next week, announced that they were just going to have walkthroughs today. <laughs> so I yeah. guess uh, I guess Doug must be the uh, Pipe Piper. Uh, it may be the new, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the new uh, uh, the new way of uh, approaching this whole thing in the league. Uh, I mean, yep. they got what they needed to out of the, the walkthrough today.
1: Hey, Paul. As as I was mentioning while you were just uh, joining us. Um, you know, we circled this game as one that it was going to be a tough game to win anyway on the road, they're open or down there in Atlanta, Sunday night football, going to be a tough game. Um, my takeaway was that the Eagles played their hearts out and played down to the last minute. And if anything, uh, I'm, I'm taking that as a positive out of this thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, one thing it said was that Atlanta is not particularly that good when, when they had to. They probably shouldn't have won a game against a team that that was as devastated early on in the game by injuries as the Eagles were. Uh, yeah, they fought. Uh, you know, if 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 Nelson Aguilar catches that 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 pass down the sideline, uh, it, he probably goes in for a touchdown and they win. Uh, you know, it just was. You know, but I mean, they. <clears throat> it's just a matter of. I mean, it showed what they you don't want your quarterback throwing uh, dropping back 51 times though that's a concern uh, you know Carson took a pretty good licking on Sunday it was taken out at one point because the uh, you know on-site neurologist thought he might have had a concussion uh, when he his head slammed against the ground on one of the hits so uh, you know uh, but that's a positive I mean definitely to, to, to come back from where they were without Deshaun and without Alshon and without Dallas Goddard and, and take the lead and pretty much, you know, win a game uh, until, you know, Jul- Jul- that they, they call a blitz and Julio Jones beats it. Uh, you know, that's a positive. And, and as a quick follow, uh, I was going to say that the
1: O-line was in a tussle in that game. And, uh, you know, I guess my, my concern is with Goddard, to me, Ertz Ertz is more of a liability as a blocker. Uh, that, you know, certainly he's a great receiver, but he's not the the uh, the extra blocker you went in there to try to run the ball. Uh, with Goddard out, that's the that guy. So the O line's in the tussle. The, the fans are wanting them to run the football, and there was just nowhere to run that ball. The the, the front seven of Atlanta did a
0: nice job. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, to your point. I mean, I'm writing my story for tomorrow. Basically, is that, you know, I mean, while all the focus was on them losing Deshaun and Alshon, the biggest blow to to them uh, Sunday night probably was was losing Goddard because, for the very reason you said, he's so important to their run game. Uh, Zach Ertz is a tr- you know a Pro Bowl receiver, but he's just a, as a tight as a blocking tight end. He's just one of those guys that at best you hope can get in somebody's way when when he has to. Uh, Goddard is a is a has developed into a very solid inline blocking tight end, you know, can seal off the backside on strong side runs. Um, You know, he's, he's very valuable to them without him on Sunday. They, they weren't able to protect the edges. They weren't able to, they didn't run any play action. Uh, You know, didn't run any two tight end packages, obviously they now, since then they've added Alex Ellis, uh, who was on the practice squad. So he'll replace Goddard on Sunday, but he's not, you know, he doesn't give them what what Goddard gives them as a blocker and I'm not sure when Goddard will be back because this is a you know I mean they shut him down with the same injury during the summer hoping he would be healed by the beginning of the season and he was but a week later he uh, aggravates it. so I you know for their sake you would hope it's not going to be a season long thing because Goddard is very valuable to
2: them. So maybe Jeffrey, Deshaun, and Goddard will all be out again this Sunday. It's sounding that way. Uh, do you think we might see more of a running game this time around, and maybe they'll involve Jordan Howard more than they have so far this season?
0: Good question. I mean, I do think they need to run the ball more because you can't, like I said, you can't have Carson Wentz drop, dropping back 51 times. He'll never make it to the end of the season uh, that way. Yeah. Also, you're playing against the, you're playing against the Detroit defense that I believe is allowing something like 5.4 yards per carry in their first two games. So this, uh, the lions have done a good job against the pass so far, but they have not done a good job against the run. So you really want to run it against them. Uh, I think it's a positive for the Eagles that, I mean, Detroit has a decent front seven, but it's not as quick and as athletic as the Falcons were, which is what gave the, uh, the Eagles front so much uh, difficulty. Um, you know, so I think I whether Jordan Howard runs it that much, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think they want to keep. I mean, clearly Miles Sanders is going to be their guy. I thought I thought Jordan Howard would be their main first down back. That hasn't even happened so far. He's, uh, you know, he's got a lot fewer carries than Miles. He's a lot, a lot fewer first down carries. So his his, you know, but he's had some decent runs. Um, you know, and I, I think what needs to happen here is Sanders and his offensive line right now are kind of in that get acquainted stage. They don't know each other that well. Um, You know, he needs to kind of understand their blocking angles and they need to understand uh, there needs to be a trust there between a running back and a line and and it's not quite there yet. Um, I think it'll come because Miles Sanders is a very talented running back.
1: I wanted to ask you, Paul, uh, defensively, uh, I thought Jim Schwartz did a real nice job. He did a lot of disguise and the blitzes uh, as Chris Collinsworth kept saying, he's trying to take this game into his hands. He sees how the offense is going. Then we get to the last play, the, uh, the, the screen pass that turns into a touchdown and they didn't disguise anything. And Matt Ryan and Julio Jones just picked it apart.
0: Yeah, that was a terrific read by, by Ryan. Uh, I th- uh, I, by my count, uh that was I, I think they, he blitzed about ten times in the game. he blitzed uh with six or seven rushers which you know what you would call a zero blitz where you're basically sending the house after after the quarterback. They did that six times and and it worked most of the time until you know he he went one one time too many on fourth and three tried it again and like you said, Ryan read it perfectly and there was just nobody out there. there was Avante Maddox who got just absolutely crushed by uh, the left tackle, Jake Matthews. And another corner, uh, I think Russell Douglas was on that side. Uh, he got blocked out, and there was just nobody else around.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, the Eagles' D-line is suddenly a concern. Malik Jackson got hurt and lost for the season in game one, and Timmy Jernigan goes down for at least a month in game two. As you said, Fletcher Cox is clearly not 100% yet, and he's going to see even more double teams going forward, I'm sure, so what's the outlook for the D line now, especially at tackle?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to be forced into uh, using Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry a little bit more inside in, in in passing situations, which is fine because I mean, you know, I mean, what the most famous sack in uh, Eagles history now—that one against Tom Brady or uh, Brandon's the strip sack. Uh, in the Super Bowl was, was when Brandon lined up inside. So um, I think that's what they're going to have to be forced to do because they, uh, aside from right now, aside from uh, uh, Fletcher Cox, they, they don't really have any pass rushing tackles. I mean, they had kind of gone in when, when they signed Malik, they thought this was going to be kind of that, that they, they would have their interior pass rush would be one of the strongest in the league. And now, it, you know, especially like you said, with Cox, not 100%, um, it's it's certainly not that. So um, you know they're gonna have he's gonna have to find solutions. That's why he blitzed so much last week because he's, he he decided to kind of put pressure up the a gap that way since he didn't have tackles that that could get that consistent pressure. So um, it's, you know Schwartz is good at minimizing his weaknesses. We'll see if he can continue to do that as we go along here. Um, it would also help if his you know, some of his other ends uh, played a little better. I mean, aside from Brandon Graham, they're not getting a lot of uh, pressure from anybody else. So,
1: Hey, Paul, as we go into this Lions game banged up, we got the Packers and then a little bit of time off. Um, how do you see these games playing out? Uh, you see a whole game plan change, change, uh, you know, I guess the Green Bay, like that yeah. Atlanta road game, was one that maybe could be circled as a loss. You would go come out of this two and two.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I initially uh, before the season had them winning both of these games. I had them losing to Atlanta, which they did. Uh, but I thought they would somehow, you know, just. Be, I, I mean, Green Bay is they're two they're two and zero, oh, but uh, I don't think it's a it's a great team. Uh, I think they're beatable. Uh, but you know, I didn't anticipate them. The Eagles having to go into that game without Jeffrey Jackson and Dallas Goddard and Malik Jackson. So um, you know, I think the Eagles will win Sunday. I mean, I think they will beat the Lions. But then you turn around and get on a plane and go to Green Bay is asking a lot on a sh- in a short week. So you're right. I think two and two. If they can get through two and two. That they they probably will be uh, happy.
2: Hey Paul, one final question from me. I want to ask about Eli Manning. He's now a backup for the Giants. Um, might he be traded somewhere else? And is he a Hall of Famer for sure?
0: I hope he retires. Uh, I mean, I guess he might be traded, but with all the uh, you know with all the injuries around the league, yep. but I, you know, I just wish he would just decide that you know to call it quits. Hall of Fame wise. Right now, honestly, I mean, I'm going to probably be retired before he's eligible, so I don't have to worry about, uh, about the vote. But I would say no right now. Uh, I mean, he's on the bubble uh, because of the two Super Bowl wins. But the, when you look at the you know, the whole, you know, his, everything that his entire career, uh, I'd be hard-pressed right now, just as I was with Donovan McNabb, to say he's a Hall of Famer. Got mm-hmm. Gotcha. We agree. All
1: right, Paul. Well, we have run out of time. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us, and uh, it's always fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank All you. right. Thanks, hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the best benefits of having an All State insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and who understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at 610-430-0700. It's Dave Lavoie at Allstate in Westchester, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, we lost a couple of classic rockers last week. Eddie Money on Friday and then on Sunday, Rick Okasik of The Cars. And I was pretty sad about that, I gotta tell you. Love that album.
1: Yeah, and Two Tickets to Paradise, one of my favorite songs.
2: Eddie Money, yep, you know it. You know it. And speaking of music, I think we have some more that we have to play right about this point, and let's do that too. Here we go.
1: know what that means yet it's bread and butter fantasy football time with our guru fred you go back to break down week three of the season fred welcome back and what do these quarterback injuries to roethlisberger and breeze and the benching of eli manning do to a fantasy football league
4: well hopefully you weren't dumb enough to have eli manning in the first place but uh <laughs> as far as uh <laughs> Roethlisberger and Breeze go, yeah, that's, I have Roethlisberger in two leagues he wasn't getting off to a, to a hot start. But fortunately there are, you know, players on the waiver wire, which we'll get into, that, that you can pick up. So you'll lose a guy, but the beauty of the quarterback position, unless you have Patrick Mahomes who just totally is rewriting the script, they're all kind of in this, not all, but there's a tier and, and they're within a range that you can probably grab someone this early at this point.
2: And, Fred, I believe there are a bunch of wide
4: receivers out there available for many leagues, the
2: Cowboys' Devin Smith, the Chiefs' DeMarcus Robinson among them, maybe even Nelson Aguilar, given the Eagles' injuries. Do you like any of those guys?
4: Not – well, I guess you're right. Nelson Aguilar is a good one because with the Eagles' injuries, you're right. Um, Nelson would be a good one. I really like DeMarcus Robinson. He's he's available. He's only owned in 5% of leagues, so yeah. he, he's available. He's definitely a guy you want to grab. But you, you basically – you. you the way I do it, anyway, is I match up what that defense is or how long the injuries for the person is. So if they're only out a week, it might not be beneficial to use your waiver wire claim on that guy. But in the case of the Marcus Robertson, Tyree Hill is going to be out six, eight weeks. That's definitely a pickup that you got a, a number one, number two type receiver that you're going to get that type of production from.
2: All right. So what are you uh, recommending for week three, Fred?
4: So I was thinking about this, how to get this correct. So the way I think I should do it is I'll I'll do one from each position, one person that, you know, I think you should play, regardless if if they're a free agent or not, and then one player player that's on the waiver wire. So I'll okay. start with quarterback and this, this kills me. This kills me to say. But the start at quarterback for this week is Dak Prescott. He's <laughs> averaging 26.2 points per game. And he hasn't really played anyone, mind you, but he's not playing anyone this week either. He's playing the Dolphins. They stink. He's going to put up points. He's a guy that, that you would pick up at quarterback. Um, he's on the waiver wire in some leagues, he's in most. But as far as waiver wire goes, Andy Dalton is a guy that's out there. He's, he's only owned in 14% of leagues, and, and he's been producing 25 plus back to back weeks. He seems to be, be in a rhythm here, so he's a guy you can grab. Moving over to running back. The guy you could definitely and should start this week is Malcolm or Malcolm Marlon Mack versus the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons' run defense is, is not good at all, and I have a feeling that the Colts will actually run the ball as opposed to the Eagles, and um they'll they'll probably put up some numbers. So I would start Marlon Mack, and then as far as a free agent goes at running back, Raheem Mostert from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has he had most if you look at the carries, he's about even with um losing my train of thought who the other guy is. But um he's about even with whoever that the other running back is there, but he has a way more snaps. He's about seventy percent of the snaps. So grab him off the waiver wire. He's owned in fourteen percent of leagues. Wide receiver wise, I would start Chris Godwin this week. He has eleven catches, 174 yards and two touchdowns in two games so far. And they're going up against the Giants and the Giants pass the, the Giants stink in general, but their are past the stinks even more. And then as far as picking up players we talked about the marcus robinson also you should grab is Micole hardman he had a good he had a touchdown last week and he's um owned in only 39 percent of leagues so you, you can pick him up as well moving over to tight end greg Olson is he's always been a good player but he seems to be getting a lot of targets this year so far back to his his i guess all pro, pro bowl status you would say and Arizona has a bad defense and especially bad against the tight end, so I, I would start him if you have him or pick him up. He's available in, in most leagues. And then Will Disley of Seattle, he's uh, got two touchdowns on the year, and he's only available, He's only picked up in 3% of leagues, so 97% of leagues he's available. That's a guy you can grab off the waiver wire and, and a number one tight end to start. And then for defense, the 49ers defense has played well, but they're going up against Pittsburgh this week, who's without. Out Roethlisberger, so they're available. I mean, they're owned in 14.2% of leagues, so available. And what would that be? 85% plus. They're a defense that I would start this week, as well as grab off the waiver wire. And um, that's all I got for fantasy this week.
1: Let's see how it goes. Hey, we got picks to make. Uh, ooh, it's time, Chet. How did we do last week, and what are our early standings after two weeks? Well,
2: we all lost the Eagles game, of course. While Bill, you also picked the Giants for some reason against the Bills. I don't know what you were thinking. So Fred and I were two and one. <laughs> yeah, Fred and I were two and one. The Furminator was one and two last weekend. So for the season, Oof. I am four and one and back in first place where I belong. You guys are both three and two.
1: Wow! <laughs> wow!
2: Okay. Well. <Yeah. laughs>
1: Let's get to week three. We're going to start out. We're going to go backwards. We're going to start out with Monday Night Football. Bears at the Redskins. The Bears are minus four and a half. Then it's the Dolphins at the Cowboys. Cowboys, 21 and a half. I, there's not many NFL games with that kind of spread. Uh, the Giants with their new quarterback are at Tampa. Tampa's minus six and a half. And then the Lions at Lincoln Financial Field. to Face the Eagles, the Birds, minus seven. So, Fred, who do you like? Bears, Redskins, Bears minus four and a half.
4: I don't understand why the Redskins keep getting these small spreads, but it didn't pan out. It didn't make sense last week. It don't make this sense this week. I'm, uh, I'm taking the Bears definitely in this.
2: Yeah, I'm also going with Chicago. I know they're on the road, but I just think they're a better team, and uh, the Bears win.
1: Yeah, I got to go Bears too. Redskins uh, Redskins aren't much better than the Giants, I'm afraid. All right. Back. Well, Dolphins, Cowboys, I, I guess uh, just for fun. <laughs> We know who's going to win this game. Are they going to cover 21 and a half?
2: Boy, that's a good I question. Say, yeah. Go I would
4: say they are not. <laughs> I think they're going to have that spread every week. They, they, The players were demanding to be traded before the season started. I don't even know. They don't even show up, but they've got to get some heart at some point, don't they? <laughs> and, and put up a fight, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. they don't. Dallas covers. Dallas wins and covers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wins and covers at 21 and a half Wow
2: yep. All right, Giants, uh,
1: as we said, they're at Tampa They got a new quarterback Tampa's minus six and a half How do you like that one, Fred?
4: Yeah, I, I was watching Baldinger Breaking down, you know, Eli Manning uh, On Twitter And, and Eli, he is he's really not doing anything Too wrong His receivers are dropping balls all over the place He was making a lot of the right reads I don't I don't think Daniel Jones is going to make much of a difference With the supporting cast outside of Saquon Barkley. So, yeah, I like Bruce Arians as a coach, and I think he's going to get them going as the season goes, and I'm I'm taking Tampa here.
2: Yeah, I'd like to see Jones do well, you know, now that he's taken over for Eli. He, you know, certainly looked good in the preseason, but I got to take Tampa in this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take Tampa at home. Uh, I'm actually – I'm really surprised that they made this move after week two. Uh, It just – it just seems to me Eli probably has earned a little more than that, but it yep. is what it is. It's a game and it's all about winning and he wasn't winning. So, uh but I'm still going to take Tampa. Okay. Gets us to the Eagles. Lions coming to town. Birds minus seven. Fred, we going to pull this out.
4: Minus seven. That, that tells you Vegas really still believes hundred percent. The injuries must not be a big issue. I'm, my only concern going into the year was the health of the line or, and if the the line would have issues. You know, say All didn't look too good on Sunday night, but, I mean, that was Grady Jarrett. So, you know, he's, they're, they've got some big boys on the Lions line, too. I think it's going to be closer to the spread. I'm going to take the Eagles to win it. Let's say, like, uh, I'm actually going to be down there, too. It's going to be fun. Let's say 21. Nah, let's. I'm a field goal at the end. So, I'm going to say 24, 21 birds, let's say.
2: Fred, uh, yeah. you're almost reading my mind. I have them 24-17 to 17 Eagles win. I'll be at the game also, Fred, so look for me, man.
4: Oh, cool. Let's meet up.
2: You got it. I I won't be at the game, but I'm going to go
1: 27-23 <laughs> Eagles. Uh, I will tell you, I got one worry in this game. Uh, Matt Stafford might throw the ball just all over the field uh, if we True. don't get some pressure. So. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my little worry, but I think um, hopefully the Eagles bounce back and, and take care of their business here.
2: Yeah, not going to be easy, but I think they're going to get the win. All right. Well, hey, Fred, before we let you go, let the listeners know
1: how to follow you so we can get updates. And uh, we also have an appointment tomorrow night.
4: Yeah. We'll, t- we'll, t- well, first I'll tell you, catch my fantasy and my gambling stuff and just kind of a fun hobby site, fredandbutter.com. And then also on EdgeofPhilly.com, I always do an Eagles game day preview article, as well as like a next day my thoughts on the game article as well. And then at 9:30, we have a show on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And this week we have a very two very special guests. We have Jim Chesko in the house as a host. He'll be in studio, and Bill will be calling in. So I'm very excited to have a Philly press box with Edge of Philly this week. It's going to be really, I'm really excited. And what time is that starting that starts at 930. 9 30 runs 9 30 to about, uh, sometimes it runs past 11 depending on how it goes so 9 30 okay. to 11 typically
2: this is an open bar also right yeah
4: there is beers in the fridge there so <laughs> you're more than welcome to have a beer if you'd like just checking. And, and, just checking and fred that's facebook live right facebook live you can find fred hugo i'll be sharing it out or on the edge of philly page we will be sharing it out um and that, that'll be there. And then, Bill, you'll call in at some point. And then, Chet, you'll be there for the, the half, first half hour, correct? At least. Cool, cool. So. All right. So, you want, so tune in right at 930 so you can get the whole Philly Press Box angle on it.
1: Sounds good, my man. And we will to you tomorrow, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us, and we'll do it. Thank you.
4: See you tomorrow. All yeah. right.
1: Hey, Chet, before we get to our guest for next week, we have our new
2: Philly Press Box radio shirts available and ready to go. Yeah, I don't have my full spiel in front of me, but I will tell you off the top of my head, we do now have those great-looking green logo T-shirts, and they'll officially be available for sale in the next couple of days as soon as we get the ad out on Facebook and Instagram. But as with our red logo shirts last spring, they're going to be available in regular material and dry fit. And I believe the selling price is $15 for the regular, 17 for dry fit, depending on the material. A little more for 2XL or 3XL. Do we even have 3XL? I don't know what we have. Uh, well, shipping, we have a couple Okay, shipping is 7 bucks per shirt Or 10 bucks if you're buying two Buy two uh, Watch for the ad on Facebook and Instagram the next day or two And we'll start taking orders Alright
1: And Chad, for the guests, uh, who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week?
2: Well, it's not locked in He didn't get back to me today like he said he was going to But I'm optimistic that we will have Former Eagles linebacker From back in the day John Bunting back for a second year
1: Oh, can't wait. He was great when we had him before, and he will be great again.
2: Yep. All
1: right. Well, hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 RAS Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page, so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118Razroom. That's right. PPCC118Razroom on Facebook. And Mr. Chesco, do we have a parting shot for you as time is running down?
2: Yes, indeed, Billy. <laughs>
4: I guess he is home now,
2: Bill. We mentioned that we lost both Eddie Money and the Cars, Rick Ocasek, last weekend. My formative years in terms of becoming the huge music fan that I am today, the 1970s, when a lot of rockers were in their 20s or early 30s, which means many of them are now in their 70s. And just like the Phillies' postseason chances, time may be running out on them. Yes, we'll always have the music, but it's still kind of sad to see so many music icons leave us. makes me very sad. At some point, all that's going to be left, Bill, will be... Richards. I know I've said it before, but I'm firmly convinced Keith is gonna live forever.
1: Well, and I guess I can't really top that since you're going down the music trail. But uh hey Jet, you know how I like to go to the um you know, all the memorabilia shows and all that. And yep. you know, there's one coming up in October uh uh in Chantilly where, you know, it's always a big show. And uh there's an interesting guest that I thought you would uh, you would find interesting. That's going to be there. How about Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen is going to be there uh, as part of that baseball uh, cast from the movie. And uh, Burnson, what's his first name? Corbin Burnside is Burnson, also yeah. going to be there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Charlie, Sheen's gonna be, uh, Charlie Sheen's going to be Charlie Sheen going to be at a horror event in Atlantic City also next month. My buddy Dave is going to do a photo op with him, so uh, I'm sure that'll be fun.
1: Interesting that uh, those guys must be hurting for a couple of dollars. I don't know. <laughs> hey, we didn't get to oh. a lot of
2: things. Penn State surviving pit, way to go lines, wasn't always pretty, but they won Temple with a huge win over Maryland. And, Bill, Friends, 25th anniversary this week. I'm sure you watched every episode of Friends. Oh, sure. <laughs> All right. Wrap it up, Bill. get that, Jet.
1: We've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guests, Tommy Green, Paul Domowicz, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, September 25th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com/slash Philly Radio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and
0: go, birds.
3: E-N-T-L-E.